Hey Rollers, just before we get started today, just a couple of quick announcements. We have an Elemental Championship upcoming on March 30th at Top Deck Games. That's in Sunshine in lovely Victoria, Australia. So please make sure you check out Top Deck Games' Facebook page or the Australian Facebook page or the Australian Discord server for details. March 30th, please come. We want to make it as big and as exciting as possible for everyone. Uh, and for those of you who are in the Australian and Southeast Asian Discord League, please make sure that you uh, get your results in this weekend because you've got until Monday midnight to do so. Here's the pod. Well, I don't know why I'm listening tonight. I got a feeling that the cards just ain't right. I'm so salty, must not give in to rage. And I'm wondering what those rollers will say. Scarves to the left of me, cheers to the right. Here I am, gonna roll a derby tonight. Gonna roll a derby tonight. Gonna roll a derby tonight. G'day, everybody, and welcome to another episode, uh, roughly episode 31 of uh, the Hidden City Roller Derby. Uh, thanks, I'm your host Simkov, and I'm here as always joined by a motley crew of rollers. Uh, Butters is in the pod virtual house. I am in fact in the pod virtual house, how are we all going? <laughs> and we also have the indomitable Bertram T. Oriadori. <laughs> I like how you don't know my name and you don't know what episode this is, just keeping the lo-fi brand fucking intact. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone's getting so, fancy microphones and stuff, you've got to get back to your roots somehow, eh? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> this audio quality is getting too good. Um, so... At time of recording, uh, Bert has just finished his round one Discord game. Uh, tell us, what was the game? Who did you play? Why was it so damn exciting? Because I just watched it and I was holding on to the edge of my seat. Well, it was uh, I was playing Unicorn HMT against Crab with Lion Splash, which is a little unusual, with True Strike Kenjutsu, which is, pairs really well with a lot of the Crab characters. But um, it was actually a rematch. I was playing against Mini, aka Jack, from Western Australia. I played him in groups for the global discord league but we got paired in round one and it was it came down to the wire where the final play was a duel uh on stronghold where i had a shinjo shono with 11 skill and i used a challenge on the fields against the kisada with eight skill um and i had one honor left and it, it the duel worked out such that if i lost any honor i instantly died if i won the duel i would win the game w with certainty um, and if it was a tie, I would lose, or I lost the jewel, I would lose the game slowly. So it was a bit of a weird bid situation. And and you're on you're on one honor. Right? Yeah. So I had to if I bid one, and he bids one, I win the game. So he can't really bid one, unless he thinks I'm going to bid higher to try and win the jewel. In which case, he can bid one and kill me by an honor loss. So it was like one of these situations where if we both bid one, or or we both bid three or five or whatever, um, I would win. And if he bid one and I bid any higher, or I bid one and he bid five, I would lose. And it was like we sat there for about five minutes picking bids. It was crazy, man. <laughs> that is how every single jewel should feel in this game. And Jack had taken four of Bert's provinces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was getting pummeled. <laughs> Thanks to Talzin. He's a talented yeah, player. I, I don't think he made any grave errors. Nah, Jack's, yeah, Jack's real good. Yeah. He routinely takes out first over here. He's one of the top guys. Good, yeah. good player. So, we are deep in round one of the Australian and Southeast Asian 
uh, Discord leak. Uh, there's been a little bit of uh, teething uh, problems as we're just making sure everybody migrates across to the Australian Discord League server to, to get people's pairings up and running, but it seems to be going okay now. Um, we've got lots of messages pinned and we've organized the channel, so it's pretty easy to tell where your matches are and all those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, it's pretty exciting. We've actually managed to get almost 40 players, which is a lot more... Like, I think we had just like 21 or something last season. Yeah, it's so about it's, where we peaked. Not, season 2, we had 42, so that's peak L5R. Yeah. yeah. It's a, what I found interesting as well is that, um, obviously, the, the um, non-Australian players are new, but the if you look at the Australian players, this is both a good and a bad thing. Yes, there's some folk from Australia that have played in previous seasons, but we have a lot of people... That are Australian players that didn't play last season that are playing this season. And I think that's really. really I think cool. that's just a positive. I think yeah, yeah. New blood, even if you lose really, old really. blood, is better because then you got you, yeah. you know growth, some sort of growth. Yeah, no, so that's net positive. Um, we do have a little bit of controversy, controversy corner to talk about. So. Um, and this is, I guess, in the interest of fairness, and we want to make sure that uh, as a. As a podcast, as as and a loyal audience, um, we want to make sure that when we're involved with something, that uh, that you know we don't shy away from anything that's happened. Um, we recently cast um, a elemental championship for, uh, the, uh, for that was that was in uh, that wasn't in Australia uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and then um, and we I certainly I, I was actually solo casting it, end up getting re. Um, re-commentated by other folk but uh, I did definitely didn't pick up any of the stuff that went on but it looked like there was some untoward play that happened and people on uh, all the social media streams caught it and essentially there was a particular game on stream, video was caught there was uh, three sort of shady moves by one of the players the first one was uh, province swapping now I think Bert um, you saw the you kind of got a good detail on what the province swapping issue was. Do you want to just describe what that province swapping issue was? Yeah, well, I wouldn't call it an issue. I'd just call it flat-out cheating. Um, but the player... <laughs> I have a strong opinion about cheating, but the player um, swapped his face-down provinces, their locations, and then also swapped the cards that were laying in his provinces during Mulligan, which, of course, is not you know prescribed in the rules as something you can do. So, Yeah, so I think this particular one, there were three different issues and we'll, we'll just quickly cover what the three issues were and we'll kind of talk talk through how because i guess there's some things that are excusable and some things that are just like pretty clear cut uh the second one was halfway through the game uh he paid for a uh, uh, paid a fate for his manipulator but that fate somehow ended back up in his fate pool um so he just basically got a free manipulator which is pretty good um and then the third one is the there was, depending on how you look at it, there was an alleged shallow shuffle. Do you, do you understand what a shallow shuffle is, uh, Bert or Nate? I, I realize. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a, shu a shuffle that's attempted attempting to look like you're shuffling the deck when really you're keeping one or two cards like close to the top of the deck, right? Yeah, you're keeping a cluster in one spot. You know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. So look, we're purposely not naming names here because you can, if you really want to, you can Google it. It's not hard, but we don't want to witch hunt it's not really our field but we do want to cover this because it is something that's happened in the community and we want to kind of then talk about how you know if if this stuff like this is happening at your local tournament you know ways that can be can be dealt with it so let's just quickly cover off of those three issues Fight to the death. What, what's kind of yeah what's what's okay what's sloppy and what's straight out 
you know, just not on. So province swapping, um, thoughts on that? Is that something that one can do on accident or is it deliberate? Like what's, what's, what are your thoughts? The marshal of the event called that, um, particular incident, a, a quote, sloppy mulligan, um, which I just think is just a misnomer because a mulligan doesn't allow you to ever swap the locations of your provinces once you've seen your your cards from your deck. So he, it's just stepping outside the bounds of what a mulligan is. So it's not really a mulligan. I mean, I look, I if I was really reaching, I could see how if your local play casual rules were consistently fairly chill about that and you always play a certain way and he'd just forgotten and then moved him, like, maybe, but just... When you watch the video, it just looks so quick and premeditated, and just and the, play, the player in question isn't a like a newbie to L five R. He's he was a finalist at PAX, which was a co tie with what seventy players. So let's let's leave the player's name out of it and just talk about it conceptually, and just say that this player knows what he's doing. Like it makes a big difference. Look at it that way. Moving a province around like that, particular. I mean, all these things together, I want make it look super bad. Right? It wasn't just one thing. And it's the fact that if the provinces were accidentally moved to a different spot, right, they're moving to an accidental optimal spot. Like, it's not accidentally onto something garbage. It's accidentally in exactly where you want it. Yeah, so I think with the province swapping, that's the one for me where um, I have thought about it long and hard. And I just, like, I am certainly not a OP representative or anything like that. But to me, that one was just flat out dishonest play and i i was really offended to see that i thought that was you know like a it, that was not a that was not a good look now the second one the fate um the kind of the old fate trick right so this one here um from my perspective is kind of in uh if this was an isolated event i can see that like you know i've made mistakes around accidentally you know moving fate into the wrong spot that one there like i feel uh, in the heat of the moment when you're on stream, you know, if you're a fidgety per person or you're just under pressure because it's a big game and sometimes, you know, these larger events feel like that, I could I could forgive that if it was an isolated incident. Um, I've seen that happen before. It did. It's certainly something you want to pick up pretty quickly and you want to correct, but that was my perspective. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the, the old fate? Sorry, go ahead. For me, I look, watching... That game. I mean, first of all, if you're going to cheat, don't do it. Don't stream it. It's an important rule. But um, that manipulator thing was a one cost character. And if, when you watch it happen, he, that fate get held. He sort of grabs the two, moves the guy over, holds him in the middle for a little while together, and then sort of goes, oh, yeah. And then he moves over, puts one over there, and moves the other one back into his favor. Like it just, just like the first one, it just seemed too smooth to not be. On purpose. I mean, you know, I'm no psychic. I can't read the guy's mind, but that—that's the one that to me just looked like out-out cheating. Like, well, I think I think that second incident, you know, in, if it were isolated, like Ben said, then you like I've seen people make those mistakes before, like overpaying or underpaying for a card. It is always funny to me how these mistakes, when they get caught on stream, they get brushed or under the carpet as mistakes. Never are at the jet detriment to the player who's making the mistakes. They're always beneficial. Mm -hmm which I always find kind of humorous. But yeah, I think um, in, as an isolated thing, I could just say, oh man, maybe you just forgot. But in that, given given the previous, you know, cheating, I'm going to call it cheating because that's what I think it is, um, then you kind of err towards it also being cheating, right? Yeah. 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 Right. When it's then, 
What is a cluster of them like that? Like, yeah. Now the alleged shallow shuffle. Um, I understand some people have looked at it. I, I kind of had a quick squeeze at it, and I could see how it be construed as that. But I'm, um, you know, I, I I'm not a, uh, a, a top decking bottom shuffler. So I, you know, I saw it, and I, but it's not as. Um, yeah, so I, I couldn't see the advantage you got out of it, but I guess, guess there could be some advantage. Um, I've certainly watched some videos of Magic the Gathering players and seen the amazing way that they can manipulate, like a, a Magic the Gathering cheater can manipulate their deck. Um, I have no idea whether what, what happened in this particular case, but um, in general, I think that if you are doing something that deliberately manipulates your deck and makes sure that you can get, you know, a card or the cards you need in a need in a certain spot, or the cards you don't need at the bottom of your deck. That's you know dodgy AF in my book. Yeah, I'd just say if your opponent, if you're ever concerned, or just out of good practice, just always cut or shuffle your opponent's deck to avoid that sort of shit. Yeah. So, so just wrapping up the just the, just before we get into like a, a kind of a higher higher talk, a high higher level talk on this. Um, there was uh, just in terms of the events that happened. There was a judge uh, after because this this was discovered all after the event. There's it's kind of and it happened in an early round game. It's the player didn't go on to win a tournament. Certainly, you know, um, I think he didn't even win the game. But um, certainly, if that player had gone on to win the tournament or you know had knocked players out and you know his result had affected the tournament, the judge is in a much much harder spot and needs to. You know, it's, it's very, very hard to do things after the fact, so it's kind of really annoying. Um, but in this particular case, the judge ruled that it was sloppy play um, and, and put out, like, fairly quickly, acted on it pretty quickly, put out a pretty big post. Um, some people thought it was a pretty weak ruling. Some people um, thought that it was, uh, you know, a great display of um, of considered a considered thought. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, to me... The challenge here is, um, what does a TO do when post a tournament something like this happens? And I mean, I've got my opinion is that you would um, want to immediate like the first thing that I think is you immediately talk to organized play. So this is if it's a premier level event, right? So if you've got like a an EC, a Cote, a Grand Cote, any any event that's like one of the proper events, then you go talk to OP immediately and yeah. and just go, hey, this is the situation. That's my gut. And then those are the folk that know how to deal with it. I think if it's a local tournament, there's a different conversation to be had. But um, yeah, what, do you, what are your thoughts on contacting OP? Or, or would you gut make a gut call, just get into it and, and you know make, a, make a, I, a unilateral decision? I think it depends what's going on. It depends on the magnitude. I mean, if it's something that you could very, very justifiably say could have just been a series of sus mistakes then okay, like maybe deal with it yourself. But, I mean, bear in mind, even if they were just sus mistakes, you, you don't keep whatever prizes you've got, you don't keep your position, like you retcon whatever you've got out of that tournament in particular. And the very time, as soon as it's a repeat offence, like more than one event, then the hammer has to come down, like is, is my feeling. I'm all for second chances, particularly if there's doubt. But there, there was a guy, Star Wars Destiny recently had a guy who was shuffling like Darth Vader lightsaber sorts if I don't play the game but you know and that was a huge event and that dude that, I don't play but was, that was on stream that was a huge thing and that was within FFG's OP stuff and that dude as I understand it on the life band that's it he's done yeah and there's also there was a conquest uh, there was a classic conquest video that you can see 
where a guy is consistently drawing an extra card every turn and it's the most blatant cheating I've ever seen. But he was such so good at it that it was like in a final on a huge like a very very like a, a, a stream that had thousands of people watching it. I, right? I just and it wasn't caught until well after where people someone slowed down the video and went, look what that guy's doing. I mean that's I suppose what confuses me so much is I don't fucking understand like any of these games, why do it? If you want to cheat, play Monopoly, right? That game's built for it. But <laughs> like that's what it is. Monopoly's all about cheating and divorce. That's, it ruins relationships. <laughs> But no, but like particular, like don't be on video like all these people are. Like these are the people that break into houses and like fall through the roof and sue the owner. Like it's the same sort of weird, <laughs> daft fucking thought process. Like if you're gonna cheat, at least be good enough at it not to get busted and kill yourself on camera. Uh, can I just say, yeah, like this I, I I'm not a fan of witch hunting like an individual person or or group of players or whatever especially if it's a one-off event like this is at the moment. There's just one event that we have video of. But I, I would like to say some stuff. First of all, I think that the ruling, I mean, the marshal made the ruling for those that were at the event, and that's the only people that he has to factor in when he makes that ruling, and it was after the fact, like you said. So um, I think the ruling was super, super soft, and there is a bit of a conflict of interest there. Um, also, I, the... The, the main I'm not really upset about the the incident. What I want is for FFG to come out with like clear floor rules in these sorts of situate for these sorts of situations. And also, I actually wanted the community to be a little bit more outraged and condemn that sort of behavior. And I don't mean that person specifically because it seemed like there were two groups of people, some people co condemning the behavior and some people saying, "Well, he's a nice guy." And I don't think that like I, I think nice people can sometimes cheat in the heat of the moment or whatever. And so I don't want to. I don't yeah, want to. Ted Bundy was a super nice guy, right? He was really <laughs> But I just wanted. I, think... I wanted more of a uh, outcry from the community. That's what I wanted to see because we shouldn't. We should be better than that. That's a fucking magic. That's the domain of Magic: The Gathering, right? Yeah. We're a better community than that. Yeah. We should call that shit out. And look, I think. I think that if you're the player involved, or if you're a player who does get caught doing some shady things, um, don't like. I think the thing to go is like. Yeah, you know what? You might take a hit to your reputation, but take it as a learning moment and go, hold on, why am I doing this? Like, is so much of my identity wrapped up in a game that I feel like I have to do, I have to be shady, I've got to draw an extra card, I've got to, you know, do whatever it is that you do to, to get the upper hand. And just, just try and figure out why you're doing that and, and maybe consider, you know, why you're playing this game. Like, play the game to have fun, play the game because you're competitive, but, you know, what satisfaction is there in winning a competitive card game when you know deep down inside that you know you didn't play within the rules like it's i just think like you need to really examine you know that yeah, thing. it doesn't make you a bad per like i think the big thing is like it doesn't make you an inherently bad person if you do this stuff it makes you an idiot you could you could <laughs> right? i like, could conceive you know, of, the, yeah. of the nicest guy in the world getting caught up in the heat yeah. of the moment and really wanting to win a game and not even like doing it unthinkingly i could see that happening Hey, look, and let's let's be honest here. We did have a tournament where three Hatamotos were caught cheating, including myself, in the first round. <laughs> that, I did have a charge. Yeah, but that charge and a that wasn't intentional. You guys are just dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm just saying, like, it happens to the to the the the, the least of us. I mean, <laughs> um, can I, but yeah, can I say though, but, I think though, probably I know you mentioned, but you think it's pretty light on as far as the rule is concerned. But I think 
I wouldn't mind betting a lot of that comes down to how tight-knit the Five Rings community is because it's not an enormous community and everybody knows everybody else, particularly at the higher levels of play um, and anyone that's social, you know what I mean? Anybody that goes out of the way plays into Goku a lot and that's a lot harder to rule against when you know there's going to be some backload one way or the other. You don't want the game to implode because... Well, there's two things, right? You don't want the game to implode because of one isolated incident and get, like, lots of bad press. But by the same token, you don't want to be part of a community that encourages that either. Um, I think to Bert's point, I think you make a really, really good point, which is if I put myself in that T.O. shoe, why why was my first instinct to contact OP? Well, my first instinct to contact OP was because the current floor rules, tournament rules that exist don't really tell me how to deal with a situation like this in any way. They just they're, they're not very clear at all. So I think that that is definitely a challenge. If if there are clear things which say judge has discretion, he should DQ on, you know, these things, then it's very clear because it actually gives you some authority as a judge and not only authority but some validation you're doing things right because yeah, you're you going, got "Hey, the, look, the book you know, of law we've looked at this and hey player, um, you know, unfortunately, well, the case is that you've broken these rules in, in the tournament guidelines. Therefore, the tournament guidelines say, because I need to be fair to everybody, we need to make sure that the guidelines apply to everyone. Therefore, unfortunately, for this thing, we've got to give you a game loss or we've got to disqualify you from the tournament or whatever it says, right? But like, I think having a very clear way of saying how you deal with these situations makes it a lot easier, yeah. right? And it, because it's... It's it's much much harder when things are grey to make rulings. As I just I, I found it quite shocking to be honest that the the marshal ruled that he would not have even issued a game loss if he had found it on the day, like let alone yeah. DQ. And, that was... and then the community kind of said, "Oh yeah, that's fair enough." Like he he wrote out three paragraphs, so stand by the the ruling, and that's what kind of irked me more than the actual incidents of of like game manipulation because that's going to fucking happen. We're playing a game, at some point someone's going to get duped out of a situation but i just want people what i would like is philosophically people to say no to that shit and and that doesn't mean going and knocking on this door's house and calling uh, this guy's house and and calling names that means look man you made a mistake own up to it maybe you know in the future um your opponent's going to be looking at you anyway so you you know i don't know i felt like it could have been handled a lot better that's my opinion yeah and i think to be clear we don't have any at least I'm pretty sure we don't have any hard feelings against any of these folks. We just think that, you know, maybe maybe they're yeah, it's it's really hard to say, but I guess we wanted to bring light to the fact that these things happen, so we need to look at how we can make it better next time. Can I, can I also so, say if if I were marshalling an event and my friend were yep. had come into question for that stuff, my be I, my instinct would be to be more lean on the side of being more punitive. Like if there's a borderline case, yeah. I'd be like, dude I have to apply the rules equally to everyone, and because you're my friend, I'm going to have to actually apply them even harder. Because but that's kind of yeah. hard to believe, to be honest. With you, because you're such a genteel soul, <laughs> dude. If you cheat in my like, tournament, brothers, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you to the guillotine if you cheat in one of my tourneys, mate. mate. You're going to, I'm going to put you in the pillory. <laughs> well, when I eat in your, when I cheat in your tournaments, you will not know. I'll be far too okay. good. So. I, I think want, we've spent I enough live time. It. Look at it that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we've spent enough time talking about this sort of community stuff. I think, uh, look, um, is what it is. It's happened. Um, hopefully, uh, we can get some better rules. Yeah, but, I think you know, the next step is it's good to the have. Next it. step is just to get FFG to weigh in on it, not too harshly, and give us 
rather than any sort of reply one way or the other on that incident, I just want floor rules. Like, give us give us yeah. a structured way that we can apply the rules of the game. Cool. So, I think that, um, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And look, I think that um, this is something that's happened. I thought it was really important that we talk about it and not just dust it under the rug. Um, but we're not, you know, not calling anyone out. We're just saying this is what happened. Here's what we're thinking about it. And here's how we're thinking in general about the whole like shady play aspect of L5R. Um, so moving on to something a bit more positive in the community is part of this game is not just the competitive uh, card game playing nature, but it's also like when we play, we like to play with shiny things. We like to play with cool components. We like to bring custom play mats and tokens and, you know, wooden rings and stuff. And, you know, for that to happen, we need people to make that sort of stuff. So to highlight that, uh, I caught up earlier in the week with uh, two locals, Megan and Daniel, who are two of the more creative types here in, in Melbourne, uh, to talk about uh, what it takes to build these custom deck boxes, what it means to the community, uh, and talking about not only what they get up to and some of the techniques they've got involved, get to hear about laser cutting and all sorts of things, um, but we'll also... Uh, then talk about how, if you want to get involved, how you can get involved and what the arts and crafts community looks like and, and different ways you can help. So uh, have a listen to that right now. G'day, everybody. Uh, I'm uh, here with uh, Megan and Daniel, who are two of our uh, most noted crafts crafts folk here in, in uh, Melbourne, um, and to talk a little bit about some of the amazing things that they get up to and some of the projects that, that, uh, that are soon to be. <laughs> um, so I just thought it'd be fun to have a little bit of a roundtable like this and, and talk about uh, some, some non-strategy, non-deep tactics or, or non-event results, but do something a little bit different with the pod for, for today. Uh, so first of all, um, I've got Megan here with me who has her own miniature. She's a professional miniature painter, uh, and I've been playing Scorpion with her for a very long time. She's another, like myself, she's another big Scorpion fan um, and has all these other projects going on. Hey, Megan. Hey, how's it going? Great. Uh, then I've also got with me uh, Daniel, who, uh, apart from being uh, a diehard uh, Dragon fan, uh, is also <laughs> he's, he's a bit of a Renaissance man. Uh, he, he works with lots of different mediums. He's not he's not. Uh, I don't know if he's ever painted miniatures. I'll have to ask him that maybe in a second. But uh, certainly all of the other crafty stuff, three D printing, wooden uh, wooden <laughs> wooden play. I don't know, but uh, woodcraft. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure wooden players. Wooden play. <laughs> you can tell That's that I'm, I'm good at this stuff. Different podcasts, then. Different podcasts. <laughs> All right. Yes, this is uh, not really PG-13. Okay, cool. How, how's it going, Daniel? Yeah, not bad. I did paint miniatures years and years ago, uh, yeah. but I was never very good at that. So ah. mostly what I do is stuff I can plug into a computer and get cool stuff out the other end. Cool. And so, so when did you get into L5R, I guess? Like, I mean, everyone's got their own little story, and it might be good to, for the folks at home to learn a little bit of, uh, about uh, how each of you kind of got into it. So, Daniel, what was your, what was your journey? Uh, a number of years ago now, back in the old game, uh, the 20 festivals, the last uh, core set that came out, a bunch of friends at uni split a box of all the different starters, I saw the game and thought it looked kind of interesting, went and bought myself a dragon deck because Enlightenment alternate win conditions, y'all. And absolutely loved it and been playing since then. Cool. What about yourself, uh, Megan? Um, I actually got into L5R through the RPG, the old one. Oh, nice. Um, I tried the old card game, wasn't a fan, um, but I stuck with the RPG until 
pretty much that whole group disintegrated, as RPG groups tend to do. <laughs> um, yep. And when I found out that there was going to be a new L5R card game, I jumped on that so quickly and stuck with, like, just dove into Scorpion and haven't left. And it's never place will. To be. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, one of the great things about this game is uh, about L5R, which, you know, other communities certainly have cool things made, cool stuff TM, but I feel like L5R in particular has a, a, a artisans-based uh, economy going on, uh, you know, because it's a living card game as well, people buy the cards and they go, hey, I'm not wasting my money like I do with Magic, I've got all this extra cash, what can I do? Hey, you've made something cool, I want to buy it. Um, I guess you guys make stuff for yourselves and 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 other people. Uh, why do you, why do you why do you get involved in this craft? I mean, what's 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 so fun about it? Why do you do it? Oh, well, I think for me, just making stuff is it just appeals to me. Uh, I'm a maker at heart. Like pretty much anything that I can make, instead of buying, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> it's not just because I'm cheap. Uh, it is also because I just yeah really like making things and having something concrete at the end of it to go oh yeah hey i did that oh nice so what about yeah for me i whilst i do enjoy the making i've in the past found that i've just started and then never finished it with l5r because everybody else has all these great tokens and i don't really want to pay for them i figure i can make something cool and i've gone and found ways new and unique ways i hope to make these really cool things, which I love and hope other people do too. Yeah, yeah I think I mean, L5R is just really um, great for that as well. Like, just all the art and the lore, and it's it's just one of those things that is just so open to people creating new stuff. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, I was thinking we could showcase a few of the different uh, products that you guys have, have, have prepared, you, you've made. Uh, Megan, um, I remember, first of all, the first thing I remember seeing that I was like, wow, these are cool um, that I'd not seen before. You had these sort of oversized uh, scorpion-themed tokens. What were they about? Yeah, um, I tried to get into like the tabletop game Infinity a little while ago and had bought like these chunky things to put, um, to, to make tokens out of um, for that and then you know that faded away um, and then <laughs> I got into L5R and still had them lying around um, and there was heaps of tokens out there that people had bought and made and I was like oh man those are so cool but I'm so broke uh, <laughs> so I'm just gonna take whatever I've got lying around and try and make some tokens um, and I think I you know did all those in an afternoon um, they weren't very you know technically hard to do so i just kind of threw them together do you want to um, talk through the the process there because i think they were they were, gla were they glass or what were they yeah they're like resin beads or something um yeah i don't remember exactly what they were but you know i just bought a pack of them off ebay um and they were super cheap so that was nice i think i got like 20 of them for like six dollars or something um and then i just printed out uh, some like scorpion ones and stuck those onto some black card and then put the glass beads over the top uh, and that's it that was really it you just glue them it wasn't anything yeah. fancy or special it was just really straightforward just a lot of cutting and gluing and getting my hands super glued to cardboard you know it's fine 
Well, well, probably uh, something that was quite fancy and, and a hell of a lot more elaborate was that mask that you made for uh, for Kote. <laughs> Do you oh, want to describe yeah, yeah. what that was? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I went through. As, as all makers do, I think, um, we kind of experiment with different things that we want to try out all the time. Um, I had just made some pieces of, like, Skyrim foam armor for, like, cosplay. And I was like, oh, foam. Foam's really cool. I like that. And then for the Kotai, I was like, oh, I'm going to make a scorpion mask. It's going to be great. Um, so I just found a, a, a pattern online and made that out of, you know, half half inch foam um just cut them out stuck them all together um coated them in like plasti dip which is like this rubber coating spray um and then just painted it up and it turned out all right it was okay yeah i thought it was pretty special <laughs> it, was, it was a little too big i'll have to shrink the pattern next time um yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah it was a bit yeah. tricky to wear <laughs> um yeah what about, it was yeah and, and there was some rings i think um did you make some rings i know rings are the only thing i haven't made yet actually. yeah yeah oh yeah but you did you did make a card box i remember the the card box you bring it you still use today i think it's your standard oh, yeah, card I box. Still use it. yeah 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 i just got a box from bunnings like it wasn't <laughs> anything dramatic like you know one of those like kids crafty art box things that you can buy yeah um and i got my little like rotary tool and engraved things around the outside um, painted that up, um, put the scorpion mon on the top with just like a stencil and an airbrush, um, and put a bit of a, put some dividers in there, um, with some other thin wood that I cut to size and yeah, that's it. So it sounds like to me, what you're saying is whilst like, you know, in your day to day miniature painting, that's a sort of a craft that takes many years to, to master, um, with some of these projects that you're working on, the mask is probably quite elaborate, but when it comes to the, the card box and the tokens, it's a very much a do-it-yourself attitude, right? Like anyone can yeah, really have sure. a crack at it. You don't have to be particularly, you don't have to be, you know, a, a crazy artist or anything. You can just have a go, right? Yeah, exactly. Like all you have to do is like look up um, like jewelry supplies of eBay um, and, uh, and a printer. Like that's, that's all you need, really. Scissors, glue, that's it. All you, it's all you really need and you can kind of make whatever you want um yeah i think yeah anybody can do this i think i don't think it's... it doesn't have to be super elaborate like i know you get super nice things um that other people make with like laser cutters and like metal casting and all those are beautiful don't get me wrong i wish i could afford them um but yeah if you if you don't have the money or you don't you know 80 dollars like that set of tokens um, just, you know, print some out, fiddle around with some paper, with some jewellery supplies, with some glue, paint, like, yeah, it's it's really easy, straightforward things to do and everybody can give it a crack. Brilliant. All right. Well, let's maybe highlight a few. Daniel's got uh, many different projects. Um, just so looking many. At, yeah. Maybe let's let's start with, what was the, can you remember what the first, uh, first project you worked on? So when the new L5 game, were, uh, L5R game was announced, you know, we knew it's like, oh, it's going to be cool. What are they going to do with rings? They've mentioned tokens. No idea what that was about. Um, fast forward a couple of years to when they're starting to do previews, they show the ring tokens. And so naturally we're printing out our proxies already and starting to play the game with the rules as best we can. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to use their tokens. 
So I went with went to a friend who had a 3D printer at the time, and he print just gave him the mod images for the rings. He and he printed me these wonderful um, plastic rings, half blue plastic, half red plastic, which I believe he had to actually dismantle the extruder halfway through the print to get done. So props to him. But <laughs> yes, yeah, so now I've got these uh, card-sized rings, larger than the ones that Fantasy Flight give. Great for holding fate. And they just look really nice. They're really easy to tell what they are. And yeah, that was the first thing I made for this game. And and I guess it seems like something that you do that uh, a little bit different to Megan. Megan's very hands-on with crafting things. I feel like you're more of a designer and, and the 3D printing is something that you've got quite into, isn't it? Yeah, so I've done a little bit of the 3D printing. I've also found a model online and printed up a, a, a copy of the Dragon Stronghold, as well as a couple of the others for friends, uh, which Megan is actually painting up at the moment. Uh, but other than that, it's mostly I've been doing wooden laser cut stuff. Uh, I found that the 3D printed stuff wasn't coming out to the quality I wanted uh, right. with the printers I could afford to get my hands on. So I switched to the wood and spoke to my sister, who is a design student, helped me design some pieces which I've gone and laser cut matched. So laser cutters, right? Like for those of those of us who are a little bit behind the times, laser cutters sounds like some terrifying futuristic torture device. No, uh, it's a God's gift to man, laser cutters. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, terrifying torture device, God's gift to, to man. It depends on your perspective, really. <laughs> and I viewed them, the same laser cutter, as both things. So um, what is what actually is a laser cutter? How does I mean like I, so I don't even know what one looks like. At its heart, a laser cutter is a highly focused, highly intense laser that cuts through materials for you. So you cool. can get large industrial ones which cut through metal, cuts through thick wood, acrylic, what have you, or you get smaller hobby ones like the one I have access to which only does untreated wood because ventilation is hard to come by. Got it. So, yeah. Hmm? So, so you've um, you've started experimenting. You've done your three D printed stuff. Have you? I I do know that um, my favorite thing that you've ever done. You've done lots of really cool stuff. And the first thing I saw were those big giant rings, which I really still love. Those giant rings. But the favorite thing I've ever seen was the opposite. The tiny, tiny little. And I guess they were laser printed as well. Those tiny little rings. Do you want to talk about what those, why those rings were printed and what they're for? So. They're just tiny versions of the regular ring symbols. Uh, they don't actually have the disc around them that a lot of them do. It's just the symbol for the most part. And those ones are primarily for Phoenix. Cards like, I think it's Master of Gisetoshi. There's a holding which lets you claim a, uh, act like you've got a claimed ring. Uh, one of the students says, during a conflict of a given of a type of your choice, it gets plus two, plus two. And so these are just little tokens to represent which ring each of those cards has chosen. Yeah, so they help so much with the board state, and also they look pretty. <laughs> so um, one of the things as well is that it's an aesthetic, right, is I find that different players have different types of aesthetics. So those wooden sort of um, 3D printed stuff 
is I know there are some folk, uh, and there's definitely some folk here in in, in Melbourne that that uh, that like this stuff. But they will have a very uh, almost like traditional. They've got like a wooden card bo- uh, card box. They use the wooden rolls. They've got wooden rings. Like everything is that sort of old style wooden, and it looks like fantastic. And then there's other people who are extremely flashy and 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 use the the luxury game style tokens or whatever the you know the the blingiest jeweliest stuff is. And I, one of the things I do love about it is how people do express themselves through this craft. I, I think that's cool. Right. Uh, I found myself that I had my nice 3D printed rings, but when I started doing other things with the wood and the laser cutting, that the 3D printed rings didn't actually match anymore. And that right. really grates on me. <laughs> so I've got some, uh, got some wooden rings as well, which should hopefully be uh, coming out fairly shortly. Yeah. So what, I mean, I'm sure you've got a few things in the laboratory. Uh, what, what are you guys cooking at the moment? What's, what's new? Any, any interesting projects? Uh, I kind of want to, on the same vein as those like a scorpion, I mean, not scorpion, those are phoenix tokens. I want to make some for scorpion. Um, so, you know, things that, you know, where you can give another character neg two, neg two, or some poison um, tokens. Yeah. Poison tokens. Um, or, uh, the Sinister Soshi tokens. I yeah, would like to make yeah. some Sinister Soshi tokens. Uh, and probably some more universal ones, like um, ones for like Bonsai and stuff, so you know how many times you've kicked it on a character or whatever else. Um, those oh, some like, some like plus two, heavy. sort of like plus two mil or plus three mil yeah, or whatever yeah. tokens. Yeah. Yep, yep. I think those are coming super handy. Um, I would really like to 3D model some tokens and get them 3D printed out and then cast them. Um, so make molds out of them and cast them out of resin. Because um, like what you were saying before, like the different styles of things you can have, like traditional wood styles versus like the flashy, shiny things. Um, I'm kind of straight down the middle. I like both. Uh, so either one of those things would be really cool to have um either out of wood or out of resin or whatever else um i want to make a new deck box uh now that i have access to a laser cutter as well would really like to actually make something really cool um i don't know if you guys have seen any of the wormwood videos um how they put like they laser engrave uh words into the boxes and they fill them with like aluminium powder and stuff and set them in Oh, wow. Uh, that stuff looks awesome. So I'd really like to do a box like that um, for not just the card game, but for the RPG as well. So like somewhere to put dice um, as well. Um, that would be really cool. Um, gosh, what else have I got going? Anything that I think of at the time, really, to be honest. Um, it's so these like, projects... Oh, I need more of these. So... <laughs> Sometimes it's on a whim, right? <laughs> it's oh, just, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. 100%. It's like I'm having a bored afternoon. I'm like... Do you know what I could really like use right about now? Some L five R tokens. Yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> and so, then you know, I'll go onto eBay and be like, "Yep, I'll buy that, 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 and that." And then you know, two weeks later, they'll come in the mail, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about this. Better start making them." Um, yeah. <laughs> and I want to make more of those um, little tokens that I did for Chris's newbie tournament. Um, so I made a bunch of um, clan tokens. Um, just for like fate or honor or whatever you want to use them for. Um, I made a whole set for the winners to have. Um, yeah, and I yeah. really liked how they came out, so I kind of want my own set of those because <laughs> I didn't make <laughs> myself any. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Cool. Um, 
And Daniel, have you got uh, anything new cooking? I've got one thing uh, currently in the works, but uh, just listening to Megan already having plans on how to do the plus two, plus three military uh, tokens relatively easily uh, with the laser cutter. The only problem is that the one thing I do have in the works is a really nice deck box. I've got slots for my um, slots for my fate, uh, conflict and dynasty decks, a slot for the provinces, my wooden stronghold, wooden rolls, a wooden uh, first player token, a wooden uh, imperial favour which I've got designed but haven't printed yet, cut yet, and then I've got a draw to hold, house all my tokens. Now, currently you designed it's got, the shit out of that box. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I hand-drew all of this before realizing my measurements were slightly off and yeah. then asked my sister really nicely to redo it for me in a 3D modeling program. That's neither here nor there. So <laughs> this drawer has a large slot for the rings to fit into because they are obviously larger than everything else. And then three small slots for honor, fate, and then the honor dishonor tokens. And then sitting on top of that is a little shelf that contain, will contain all my dice to keep track of the numbers. The problem is that now if I want to have my plus two, plus three tokens, um, sinister associate tokens or miniature rings or anything like that, I'll need to start, find somewhere to put space for all of these tokens as well. You know, I think there's something to be said for when you're at, at the table, especially when you're in a tournament, right? To be able to sit down with a nice play mat, a really nice set of custom tokens. It's like... I feel like, especially um, you know, when you're at a big tournament, is it's almost like, especially when you've got interstate guests or you know you're overseas, or whatever. It's a nice little, hey, you know, I'll show you. This is my stuff. This is how I play, and it's kind of it's a way to personalize. You might be playing the exact same deck list that a hundred other people are playing, but that doesn't matter because you're going to do it in style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but even if it's not the super stylish, because these are you know cheapy homemade ones that took me an afternoon to do, and they don't look the greatest. But they're mine, and I'm proud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, even, different it's even better to when you else's. can go. Oh, if someone goes, oh man, those tokens or that box looks really cool, and you know, it's one thing to go, yeah, it does really look cool. Thanks. It's another thing to be like, yeah, and I made this. <laughs> yeah, I, um, one thing that I'm doing with the box at the moment is I've got all the pieces. I just need to assemble it. It has to be plain wood. However, I'm also going back and laser cutting all the pieces again with um, images etched into them. So the box itself is going to have the fancy dragon mon on top and images of our different strongholds from over the years around the sides. I'm going to redo the inside of the box with just different images here and there, not too much, but just like tattoos like you would get from the dragon clan. Got it. So there are... Um a lot of uh, places out there uh, where, you know, on the line where people can learn how to get involved in the craft. But, you know, is there any L5R groups you're aware of, uh, like little community, you know, communities or, or, you know, Facebook groups, Discord lists, etc., where people get together and actually talk about, you know, how they're going to do these sorts of things? Not really, to be honest. Um, our Australian Discord server, though, has, like, merchandise um, kind of chat area where sometimes... There'll be some of us who'll post what we've done um, or what are what we are making um, at the time, but I don't think I've really come across anything where people talk specifically about L5R stuff that they're making. So one thing that's actually just changed recently on the Australian Discord is that merch channel is now the Arts and Crafts channel. I love it. Yes. yes. So um, a couple of us were just discussing in the general chat 
but yeah, you know, we've got the merch channel where we can show off some of the stuff we've made, but we want somewhere to show off, you know, the in progress and hey, this is what I've made rather than just this is what I've bought. Yeah, two different things. Yeah, and um, our wonderful moderator um, has saw the chat and changed it there and then as we were discussing it. Yeah, and like to ask advice as well, I think is a is a big part of it because like you know. Um, we could have some ideas it's like, oh, I want to make this. I'm not sure what the best way to go about it is. Or um, even in my case, what the most cost effective way to go about this is. Um, and, you know, to try and get a set of something made and then, you know, you can kind of build and um, make it better after the fact. Um, but yeah, just ask for advice, like how to cast things in resin or um, the best 3D printer um, settings to have for a particular thing that you're printing or whatever anything like that um, having a, a space to be able to do that and talk about that kind of stuff um, would be super 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 handy so there is there is actually on the global discord league for anyone who, who uh, is a member of that and there's like hundreds of people on there there is an arts and crafts channel on there it's, it's just there's like 50 channels on the <laughs> global discord there's list. so many there's so many <laughs> but yeah if you count. yeah if you go to the you know how the group the channels if you go to the general group there is an arts and crafts channel and uh you can scroll through that and there's people there who are um making custom play mats you've got you know cool little tokens and different bits and pieces so that's a um yeah, I, I see it now yeah, 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 some of those custom playmats are amazing. Like, oh my god, some yeah. people are talented. Uh, so I've just had all the channels muted because too much coming in at once. So <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I had everything Got except it. the dragon chat muted, but not anymore. Yeah, I think I think it's worthwhile um, if you are into this sort of stuff. Uh, if you're an Australian listener, or, or indeed a Southeast Asian listener, and have joined the Australian Discord server because of the fantastic Discord ch- uh, league that is running now, um, check out Arts and Crafts. Uh, and if you're on otherwise, check out if you're one of our overseas listeners, please go and check out Arts and Crafts on the Global Discord League. And also, I think. Um, in general, I occasionally see on the different like clan Facebook pages or the global Facebook page, people post up pictures and stuff. Don't be ashamed or scared to like if you've made something to just show show folk. Like I feel like that's for me as someone who um, isn't as much on the creative side when it comes to craftsmanship and woodplay. <laughs> um, is I do think that I get a I get like a moment of joy when I, when I see people create stuff and I'm like, oh wow, look at that cool thing. When I was, and I've seen like amazing strongholds and rings and all sorts of stuff, and I just I just think it's cool, and I think that is what makes this. I think it's one of the things that make this community so cool. Yeah, I mean, we've got um, there is actually a Facebook group that I totally forgot about actually, um, <laughs> that I joined a little while ago. Um, that uh, Mel started up, which is really really cool. Um, which I will tell you what it is called in just two seconds. Um, the Sakura, Sakura clan? I can't even say the name right, right now. Um, but essentially it's for women, non-binary folk and LGBTQ plus people um, to join. And we have some very talented members on that, on that page um, that make uh, all those like custom playmats and other tokens and art. There's just people who make cosplay stuff as well. Um, so yeah, like Mel has her, her, um, her hat up there. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Awesome. There's two different Mel's, just to be clear. There's two Mel's. Sorry. Which Mel are you talking about? <laughs> Melissa Marsh. 
or so yes, on. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so people yeah. have just a whole bunch of stuff on there as well, which is really, really cool. Yeah, I think Melissa Master is quite entrenched in the um, the LARP and cosplay scene, so I've seen some really cool stuff yeah. that she's put together. Mm-hmm, yeah. definitely. And additionally, yeah, really cool. as a crafter, you know, when you put your stuff up there, you know, there might not always be the most comments on it or the most feedback, but generally there's at least one or two people who say, hey, that's real cool. Well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. It's just those one or two people that make it all worthwhile. For sure. Yep. So thank you, thank you both for for uh, gracing us with your presence. It's been absolutely great to hear from you, and, and um, hopefully you have inspired some of the folk out there listening to us to make their own things. So anyone anyone out here in the community who who does make their own things and they want them showcased, please let us know. Send us pics on the the Hidden City Rollers uh, Facebook page, and we'll we'll make sure everybody sees them, and we'll you know and, and some good ones we'll talk about on you know on podcasts as as they as they develop. Uh, Last thing is, uh, have you got any plugs, uh, anyone? Megan, I think you've got your, uh, what's your miniature, um, you paint miniatures, right? And Do you have a particular way people can contact you around yeah, that? Yeah, uh, my miniature page is called um, Pigment Painting, so you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook under that name. So yeah, come and check out my stuff, cool. I guess, if you want, if you're into it, I don't know. <laughs> and if people want to get in touch with you, Daniel, or see, see your cool stuff? Um I don't actually really have much of a way to get in contact with me other than Probably just a good thing. on Facebook or through Discord. <laughs> uh, that said, I have had a couple of people now uh, ask about commissioning some of the things I've made. So I'm going to be looking into doing that. So if that does happen, I'll let you know and you can let everyone else know. Cool. All right. Well, thank you all. And um, we'll hopefully speak to you again sometime. Cool. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Cool. Hopefully you enjoyed that uh, little segment there. It's always good to catch up with uh, the locals and talk about things, uh, have a little bit of a, a breath of fresh air, something that's not hardcore competitive games. Um, but we do have a little bit more to cover today. Some pretty exciting stuff. Uh, first of all, uh, the segment that everybody begged for us to continue doing. We did it once and we're going to do it again now. <laughs> Deck Doctor with Toriadori. Um, we've got to come up with a snappier a snappier name for that segment. But I think, uh, Butters, you have an amazing deck that Bert has not had a look at. Did you want to uh, paste that deck into our chat now so that Bert can open it up and, and you can start... We're doing uh, this live, guys. The... This is... this is right. You're going to get my reaction. Do it live! <laughs> so, you're so going to get my reaction as it comes. Is we're going to do it piecemeal at a time. Bert's going to give it a bit of an analysis at the beginning. Ah, and right. then I'm going oh, to explain it. So what's the deck title here, Bert? It's called Bert Approved Lion Unlocked. So, first of all, fuck you for using my name <laughs> without permission. <laughs> it, was pre- it was preemptive because I know you're going to approve as we go. And we can release right, it in the right. wild. So, let's, have, let's take a look here. It's Yoji no Shiro, which, as you all know, I called um, HMT Unplayable Trash from day one. And I stand by that. So, I'm a big fan of the Stronghold Choice Butters. Well done. We got uh, Scorpion is our splash. I actually have been tooling around with a bit of Scorp as well. Uh, and then the province row before the throne. Okay, this is this is getting a little dicey. <laughs> uh, before the throne, upholding authority, abandoning honor, shameful display, and art of war. So, what the hell goes in the stronghold? You put. I guess you're putting abandoning honor under box. <laughs> abandoning honor on the box. Yes. See, look, we are we are in sync. You see, you understand 
what's going on. You're, you're learning, <laughs> but you're learning is what's going on. So, you know, the, so what's the game plan based on based uh, on what you is, can see? This there? is hard, hard dishonor. You're bidding low. You're using Tactician's Apprentice to, to keep your card draw up. And you're oh. using... I'm hoping I'm going to see some... Um, I can swims and mazes, but we'll see. And, and just so we know, this deck, uh, a link to the deck will be posted in the show notes. Right, well, everyone should give it a go. And you've can gotta, I see more, gotta, man? I'm, I'm thirsty you've let for go. more. What, for, okay, so first, let me just explain. So the game plan for this deck, let me just read the blurb, because I've given actually a strategy guide for the deck as well. So first of all, you cannot win. <laughs> so your opponent has to defeat themselves. So you hold out with stall tactics, use the Imperial Favor, and win less effects for your opponent, such as breaking your provinces, so that eventually your opponent gains such a strong sense of security and confidence that they let themselves slip into a low on a state where you can strike and knock them down to zero. That's what we're after. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. So Yojin no Shiro is really important. 12 starting honor means you're one or two honor points away from the honor loss you're going to cop so regularly, and you get an extra influence point over the other line box, which is really important because it means it's an extra red card you can have. All right. Good. Okay, so I am going to move on to All the right, next can card. Can I see more, Butters? Show me more. Yep, let's go. More card. Here we go. Dynasty. Are we ready for Dynasty? Here we go. Let's do it. Let's see some Dynasty. Boom. Am I seeing some Guria Kitsu here? All right. Let's, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to read out some of the things that I think are kind of funky, all right? Okay, three Kage. I fucking hate this card, man. I hate this card with a burning passion. <laughs> what, what? What's so bad uh, about you it? You want me to dissect this guy about why he's yeah, so let's... awful? Because you you pay, in yes. a clan that's military-focused, you pay four fate for a 2-4 Courtier, Nobushi, that has a text that's only on when you're more honorable. Granted, that's sometimes easier to do than other times if you've got a deck that's designed to do it. And his effect basically means that you get hand card parity from bids with your opponent. So if you bid one, your opponent has to bid one. Whoopty fucking do. Do you know how you okay, can get let's, that? Let's, do you know how you can get that? Stop. You can get that by bidding five. If you bid five, your opponent will bid five and you will have hand parity. Why would I pay six fate for this guy? He sucks. Okay, hang on. I have to hold you up, right? Because he is critical to the... Op Correctional. <laughs> okay, you you say you get hand parity with your opponent, right? But that is false because <laughs> no, no. So let's say you both draw one card, right? Your opponent draws a card, but you only get to draw a yellow card. Right? <laughs> so that's keep, fair. Like, that's fair. Like keeping the cards low, you're actually bringing yourself into a more level playing field. Um, the other Super thing, critical. the other thing that's interesting about this deck that you've so fancifully named after me, Butters, is that there's no Tactician's Apprentice, which is really fucking weird to be <laughs> given that your whole scheme is to bid low and you got Kage in there. What What's the point in drawing yellow cards, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, what, you get to dig, no, but you get to dig for your splash. Why? You get to dig for no. the Scorpion card. Can you, no. just, just Bert here, right? Mm. Can you talk to me about um, the holding ratio? Do you think this is the <laughs> optimal number of holdings to have in a deck? And do you want to tell our listening audience All right, he's got, he's got one. It's just the Imperial Palace. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't really see the point of it. Um do you need favor? You're not even I guess you are playing Ujiaki, so is that Yeah, so any other surprises in the Dynasty deck? Aspiring Challenger. What does that guy do anyway again? <laughs> I'm gonna he, Google him. Hang on. Hang on, crew. 
hang on. Ma okay, so let's give it a bit of time. All right, hang on a second. Let you, let you find out for yourself. Aspiring challenge. Composure plus two duels. glory, and he can honor a jewel's winner when he he can jewel someone and the winner gets honored. Yeah. No. Alright. So. <laughs> you don't seem very I impressed. just don't really understand the point of this card. Hold up. So, the, the point is so, the, the dynasty is a mix of bodies that allow you to use all of the common keywords, right? You've got Bushi and Portier and Shugs. You've got a good mix of all of them. And you've got plenty of glory in there. And since Lion have got glory, and because they have glory, they get dishonored, they have no skill, you may as well keep them around so that you can. Have the favor every turn. And that takes us into the next phase. One second. <laughs> okay, so alright, this is this is questionable as fuck, but let's move can we move on to the um, conflict? Because <laughs> com conflict sides sorry. where the magic happens in line. This you know? is the magic. <laughs> this is where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is this is this a joke just to piss me off or what? I, this has legs, I'll have you know. Not at all. This is a legit right. deck that somebody has put together. <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna um, just first of all, the first thing I notice is that there are no lion cards in this conflict deck. It's all neutrals and scorpion, <laughs> <laughs> which is magnificent. You got two way of the chrysanthemums. Not sure why that's there, uh, given that we're not going to win by honor ever. <laughs> you got way the no lion cards, literally no lion <laughs> cards at all. Policy debate. I can swim, and backhanders. Yeah, I mean infiltrator's kind of interesting. Um, Glenn's been using that against me a lot recently, and it's really annoying. I'll tell you what. Open attachment that lets you play cards of your opponent's deck. The gold from the infiltrator is that it lets you use non-yellow cards. You can use cards from other clans. <laughs> 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 it is exceptional. So this is to gain value. It's to convert your yellow conflict deck. Yeah, All right, yeah. Butters, have you ever actually played this deck? Have you played I, it? I have. It has had several runs, and it nearly won a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, it's all. My it's advice all would be. It's all about the bait and my, switch. My advice mate. would be to cut the fat and put in some mazes, man. I put in some mazes. Mazes and I can swim. So that's what I love. Okay. I, I understand. I, I appreciate your perspective. But I think when you're playing Lion, you can't be using a card on a coin flip. Right? Like, you don't have that kind of luxury. So, there's there's a bit more of a write-up there. I'll let you go through. There's a, bit of a, there's a bit of a document to the process. But um, I won't run you through it all. But the point is, you've got to... <laughs> Do you know what I like so, about this deck, right? Is that you've identified the lion unplayably bad, so you can just do whatever the fuck you want with him. <laughs> like, like playing. That's why it's bird Like playing backhanded compliments and way to chrysanthem. So in that in that way, butters, we are perfectly aligned in our opinions. So you know what? I challenge everyone to go and play this bird approved lion unlock deck. Go for it. Give us a rate. I'm going to publish it right <laughs> now, and you can give it a write up. Let us know. What I you cannot. Think. <laughs> Butters, you, you have, you you have just... written about 10 paragraphs of strategy. <laughs> this is serious business. <laughs> oh, man. It's a masterpiece. It is an absolute yeah, masterpiece. The structure of defeat. I will, <laughs> I will pony up a legit $100 US to whoever wins a tournament with this thing. <laughs> it's happening. Win a tournament? 
I love I love this. The, the two main segments of this strategy article are through defeat, victory, then the structure of defeat, and then the five phases of failure. And he goes through dynasty draw, conflict, fate, and regroup. <laughs> and then it's matchup specifics against non-yellow clans. Bunker down. This is going to get choppy. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, dude, I'm I'm screaming into my mic, so I'm I'm sorry, listeners, if you're having to uh to weather me. Screaming. Lion Clan acknowledge your opponent's commitment and bravery. You, <laughs> you may be opponents, but you are kidding. The other clans can't really appreciate the tribulation you face each and every game. <laughs> okay, yeah, this this is a masterpiece. We'll we'll link this deck to uh to our cast, and I I. Absolutely. implore everyone to read this strategy guide it is it is 4d chess this is 4d <laughs> chess strategy i think the thing i never realized i got a sneak preview of this deck beforehand the thing that didn't click to me is that the conflict deck has no it's got more scorpion cards by a long way than lion cards it is, is it is pista resistance Mr. Butters, I don't think he could have done better. That is incredible. <laughs> All right, so um, just <laughs> going into on. next week, I think we got another deck that Connor Trainer submitted, which we'll look at next time. We just didn't have time to look at it. Conan, Conan sorry. Oh, that's right, Conan. Yeah, yeah, from uh, Phoenix guy. Cool. We will check that out next week. Longtime hopefully. Phoenix player and arch nemesis of our own Roller Merlin. Yes. Ooh, yep. Ominous. They've had many, many Phoenix on many Tariujais at the final tables at Kotai's in the past. <laughs> right. So let's go on to some cards that maybe we'll see play. Um, that will be in decks that might see play. Um, these are, there was actually some cool news spoilers. Uh, so let's let's walk through these. Uh, uh, these were to do with the Inheritance Pack Two, I think. Uh, so let's start with the myth, the man, the legend, the card that inside Phoenix will never ever see play. <laughs> Because his name's Isua Tadaka, and aka Isua, not the good one, Tadaka. So, right? so that's um, what the game needs, though, is more Tadaka. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people more. love seeing his, his actually, what, what he needs, what I, we needed more than more Tadaka was conflict Tadaka. Surprise, <laughs> surprise disguise Tadaka. That's what we needed. <laughs> so let's, let's look at this card, right? So it's a five fate cost, unique conflict character called Isua Tadaka, which means that you can't play it with Isua Tadaka, the good one. Um, and he has five military, three political, two glory, so no changes there. Still an elemental master, still a Shigenja, still Earth. Uh, can only be played in Phoenix and Crab. Has a two influence cost, so that's really interesting. So it can't be played in any clans apart from Phoenix and Crab. Uh, is a disguised Shigenja. So that cool new disguised um, character, uh, that disguised keyword, and and Tyler did confirm on, um, I think it was Art of Warcast. He was on a podcast we recently. Yep, Art of Warcast. He did say that, uh, yeah, Art of Warcast. Really good interview. I'd recommend listening to it. He talks about how uh, training grounds is his biggest failure as a human. Um, and <laughs> did, did he really? <laughs> Proving grounds. Yeah, he said that that uh, proving grounds, not proving grounds, the um, lion one, lion <laughs> that gives plus one. He said that there was a card. I mean, listen to the podcast; he'll tell it in his own words. But uh, and there, it's a out of Warcast is a great cast, so please do. But um, he said that in terms of cards that he designed, that he's least proud of, that was the one because essentially 
it was a completely different card but it, uh, for Lion. And at the time that this was designed, Lion were doing pretty good. Like they weren't considered a weak. Well, in ni- like 1999, that, so. that card was designed then. I feel like I feel like it was designed in 2017, <laughs> obviously. But um, but he did say that it was a really the, the the effect was far too strong, and it was meaning that Lion would you know would would be way too dominant. So they they dialed it back, ditched the card, and they inserted this one instead. But anyway, that's a digression. So Iswi Tadaka has an action, which is during a conflict, remove one or more characters in your dynasty discard pile from the game. So you chuck a bunch of characters from your discard pile, flick them out, RFG'd. Dash, look at that many reaction cards from your opponent's hand, choose and discard one of those cards. So, thoughts, feelings. Uh, can I, I want to get a clarification. Is it that each deck can only have three copies of a unique character? No, it's so it's, can you have, it's total. You can have... So you can't have three Dynasty Tadaka, oh, no, three no, no, Conflict correct. Tadaka. Your yeah. deck, so your total, yeah. yeah. It's all one so deck. You can't have three. Okay, because I'm just yeah. curious what the definition is. So my, um, my, my big hope is that this is a harbinger for the for the banning of other Tadaka. But if it's not, then of course oh. Phoenix isn't going to be playing this, right? Well, can I, well, Tyler on. did mention on Art of Wardcast that there is no real issues at the moment. He says the wow. game is looking pretty good. If, wow, so th- this is, I mean, in Dragon, right, you've got... The fucking what's the little magic the guy that looks at your hand and policy debates you every turn. This is functionally oh, if you've got enough guy like if say if you're running a Satoshi keeper and you're already milling tons of stuff off the top of your deck, you're functionally getting a Kitsuki investigator off this guy every turn. Which is which is pretty rough. Without burning a fate, I'll point out. You're just dumping his, his ability discard. his abilities I think worse than investigators, because the fate cost for investigator is usually recouped, and then you get to look at their entire hand, whereas this is a number of random cards equal to the number of guys you remove. It's you know still what really it is? Good. It's actually... No, you know what it is? It's a hard counter versus Miyako's Undertaking and Shizuro's Shizuro Actress. Because <laughs> that, that's what... Miyako's Undertaking will never see play. Because <laughs> you know what else is a hard counter versus Miyako's Undertaking? Undertaking is Yurt. You just get your, get your opponent up over that six on a mark and all their cards shut down. so okay so i think let's structure this conversation two ways first of all um in his home uh can we shortcut this conversation by saying whilst isawa tadaka is on the restricted list this card will never see play yes and i but i think if you look at it in a vacuum it's actually a very strong card the disguise trait from conflict means you can get a huge body in sometimes for cheap on a guy who's leaving play or whatever to to win you the game the effect is nice, but it's mainly that he's a 5-3 disguise from Conflict that's really good. Um, that's yeah. super good. Right. That's about it, yeah. He's a good character. Okay, so let's talk crab, right? So I was thinking about this. So the disguise keyword, you can go and have a look at it, but one of the cool things that people may forget about the disguise keyword is that it does straighten the character that, that is disguised. So if we put this on, say, a Steadfast Witch Hunter after he's already used his ability, it will straighten that Steadfast Witch Hunter for one fate. Again. Um, so, it's my understanding that so, it doesn't actually... It just enters play ready, right? Yeah. The other guy... Yeah, it enters yeah. play ready. So so the bowed Steadfast Witch Hunter, which is actually Isawa Tadaka, straightens. Yeah, that's really cool. That's the way that it works. Oh, that, it it yeah, is yeah, actually yeah. a straighten. Because I thought the guy just got oh, discarded. Like, the bowed guy gets... He gets discarded and, then, and this guy goes. So it's not counted as a straighten, so it gets which is around. important. Earth yeah. becomes sky. <laughs> so, so you yeah. cannot Earth become sky yet. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a second. So, in uh, Crab, what Shigenja do they currently have access to? 
where this might be useful. There's the apprentice Earthcaller. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean that you'd bring out with like three or four fate, right? Just a big prep, and then you get to drop Tadaka next turn to stick around for thirty years ruining lives. Uh, Kudaka is another one that crabs sometimes still run. Um, Mia Mystic. Mia Mystic. Ah, uh, well, Kudaka. Kidaka won't work though, right? Because disguised has to be on a non-unique character. Kudaka so Kudaka's unique. unique. It has to. Be, it has yeah. to be on non-unique. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the idea of disguised thematically, and this is kind of what what uh, Tyler was talking about as well on that interview. The idea is like you know you might have a, a crew of of uh, lion bushi who are charging in the battle, and then one of them like disrobes and goes, "Check it out! I'm this other cool dude." Yeah. And I'm here to steal your iron. Okay. Mind. In that case, it's pretty difficult with crab's current crop because you don't i mean oftentimes you'd prefer to have the witch hunter if it's got a lot of fate and attachments and stuff because the effect is kind of better but, but is this could this potentially be like a one-off because it's it's basically another straighten it's just like in terms of yeah um, but then you've got a sack for then you're losing the best splash in the game for crab which is unicorn so it's yeah. sure, sure i think this guy's maybe you know what he, he he's very very powerful in a vacuum and i think in some future game state like a couple sets from now or maybe it'll just be this set and there'll be enough shigenja for crab then he'll see a lot of play but for right now i think in phoenix just because of his name he won't see play and then in crab it's going to be a big ask but he's really cool text all right you know right now out of crab you can run mantis 10 kinja a little two coaster yeah that guy's that guy's a good candidate actually yeah sure there you go all right that's it that's all so let's move on uh, we have Festival of the Departed. Um, and Festival of the Departed is a uh, province. Um, Keeper all only, four province strength, Earth. Uh, during conflicts of this province, characters cannot have their skills increased by the effects of event cards. So it stops like your Bunzai's and Legions of One and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's only increased. I totally misread that the first time around. I thought they could be modified. It was pretty rough. No, so you can, um, you can debuff them. That is super good. That's a really solid province. That can hands down go on your box. It's more, um, it's it's uh, more reason that FFG is giving us to run big towers with attachments instead of mm. event based uh, decks, which they seem to be wanting us to do. Um, I think Lime was a real problem. That's why they've created this card, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how much is this? This is just destroys. Lime. It's a good stronghold province, right? Because then, if you, if if yeah, if your opponent's a lion and they've got three way lions in hand, you just Oh wait, no. Way of the line gets around this, doesn't it? Because it's setting. Yeah, setting is not increasing. Uh, setting. So it's not hey, increasing. buff to lion. Way to go, FFG. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> Ish. Yeah, Ish. No, not, it's, it's not, not a full not buff. Really a buff. But, uh, okay, so I feel like this one says this one. Are we saying basically it's it's good for decks that run attachments and characters that stick around for a while? I think it's probably good in like crab. Cool. Under the box on crab would be amazing. Seven strength, seven province strength. In like your it's certainly better than rally, cards. rally, or. But then you, I guess you lose upholding. So I don't know. Well, it remains to be seen. It's an interesting text box, that's for sure. Like it's a much better, more powerful effect than like blood of honor tango or something. Because I, I can <laughs> see, I can see more easily how this could be turned into an asymmetrical thing, right? Like you're playing a deck where all of your pumps come from your big skill and your attachments, and you don't really play events for that so yeah. in, that, in those yeah. sorts of decks it's going to be strong it's, yeah it's going to see play hands down it's super good so next card that we've got uh, we don't know which deck it comes from could be conflict could be dynasty Yogo Preserver a three cost character of un- unknown deck 
two military, three political, uh, unknown glory. Shigenja Air, each dishonored character you control gains sincerity. That is so good. I think we can probably assume that it's not conflict. I would guess. Yeah, so we'll leave, let's just, for the purposes of this conversation, let's assume it's dynasty. And let's say one That's... glory. It's probably going to be one glory. Zero or one. Yogo, Yogo's are not known for their, uh, <laughs> their glory. It's a nice effect. Um, it's very, very good in the low bid dishonor variant of Scorpion, right? Because then you're yeah. getting extra you... ancillary card draw. Well, this is... I think it's okay in KB as well, right? Oh, yeah. Just in KB in general. Yeah, Scorpion, got... so, mate, you... what do you got? You've got um, Calling in Favors, Forged Edict, um, Discouraged Pursuit, Peasant's Advice... <laughs> There are plenty of ways to get you guys dishonored in Scorp, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good in KB, and I feel like because it's three cost and there's heaps of great three cost and now two cost uh, and one cost characters in, in Scorpion, so it means that you can get, like, you know, that the, 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 the key two characters off an ambush target. Uh, so whether or not it makes it in decks, oh, I don't dude, know. It, but it pairs pretend- so well with yeah. From the Shadows, right? You bring in into play a Sadako for free and he's dishonored and at the end of the turn you get to draw a card. Draw a card. Yep. That's super hot. God damn. Super good. Sadako is so good. I mean... <laughs> Just buff Sadako. I mean, another solid shug for enabling clouds that can't be assassinated yeah. is also pretty good. Yeah. I mean, and if it gets clouded even, like, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. yeah, like, it's a great effect, but okay. I'll just not have all my people this on. I think Scorpion mm-hmm. are quite resilient to cloud overall because, they're. I mean, these days yeah. they're not really heavy fading characters anymore. And if you cloud a catch go, she's still probably going to be on it or something. So, I think they're one of the clans that I'm probably the exception. Yeah. I love I love heavy fading. I, I love just four fading my Bayushi Whisperer. But anyway, um, but yeah. So I agree though. I think and I think though that you know uh, Scorpion's definitely at that spot now where it has lots of depth, but people are quite confused about um, how to actually build effective decks. So there's lots of different types of Scorpion decks. So I have no doubt at all that that'll see a lot of experimentation. Um, okay, so let's move on. Uh, Earth Becomes Sky, yes. one cost of Phoenix event. It's got one influence. It's Earth Roll only, so it's it's locked. I have noticed that a lot of the elemental locked cards tend to um, uh, tend to uh, have one influence, which is great. Anyway, this is reaction. After a character an opponent controls is readied, bow that character. Dash, bow that character. This is so this is pretty so good. good. Stops. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, on a base level, is it means during the regroup phase when character's ready, you can just straight up bow them. But mm-hmm. I guess, obviously, with Phoenix being rampant at the moment, um, this is a good tip, a uh, good trick to to reduce the potency of their uh, against the waves. Um, Gaijin Customs, <laughs> uh, border, border Riders, there's plenty of uh, straightening effects, yeah, right? It, it just makes, um, it makes the Phoenix Splash that much more attractive, too, if you do have an Earth Roll. Because you can get Shrine Maidens of one as well, right? So you can get against the waves for one, yep. shrine maiden for one, and earth becomes sky for one, and kind of go with a spell package. I think it could be kind yeah. of cool. The effect is I mean, incredibly strong. It's just the roll lock that's a shame. Well, I think honestly, the fact that it's an earth roll lock, I think, is probably a net positive because otherwise it's busted. So can you imagine yeah, sliding this yeah, thing it's, it's into the existing phoenix? Yeah. Like it'd be a mess. But phoenix, I cannot imagine ever gunning for an earth roll in the the current state of cards. Like fire, air. Um, Void, like Seeker of Void is definitely a strong contender for Phoenix. Like, all of those things would be above. I would think that they would probably Earth. want Seeker of Earth. They could still do Five Fires and stuff, maybe. But yeah, maybe this is probably just a, not a Phoenix card, right? At least not for it's, now. Uh, can I tell you, my favorite thing about this card, though, is that 
it's very distinctly a little bit of a tower counter. Yes. Oh, like for sure. One one yeah, big yeah, yeah. guy, knock it in the face. They have to... I mean, inevitably, if you're playing towers, you're going to have straightens, but that's one of them you've taken out. For one fate and not much influence. Does this... That can does be this province, target... Right? Yeah. This, this card doesn't... It gets around Finger of Jade, right? It doesn't choose... It says, after a character can, uh, an opponent controls is ready, dash. No, it doesn't. It doesn't use the choose yeah, so word. So you can, that, if they got Finger of Jade, that's or cool. they that have seems... above question, you can still bow them, which is really nice. Even though that's great, I still, I mean, that's a shitty semantics really used. That bugs me. It's, it's, it's an annoying um, ambiguity. Well, it's not ambiguity. It's but just I think like a, a it's a balancing thing, thing rules, though, right? Now good. they're using it as a balancing thing. It is. But it is. It's can just, you imagine being a new player to this game? And then you play yeah. Finger of Jade on your Mitsu or whatever. And then someone plays this on him. You're like, no, no, you can't target him. And you go, oh, no, no. This doesn't have the word target on it or choose. <laughs> so it doesn't work. Yeah. I'd, I'd just hit that guy. Right. Like, that's bollocks. But I think it's cool from a right. mechanical perspective, uh, standpoint to have a distinction. I know it's more complex, right? Like, it's, it is annoying. But then you can do things like make a card like this. That's... You you could yeah. you could include the you know choose a car, a character that has just stood, and and nerf the card slightly, but they've chosen to go the other way and make it slightly more buff. Yeah, I mean it's very deliberate, yeah. and and I like it. Okay, so we have duel to the death. Oh, one cost. Yes, crane event with three influence no. action during a conflict. Initiate a military duel. Your opponent may dishonor his or her character to refuse the duel. So we have a refusal condition. Otherwise, resolve the duel. Discard the duel's loser. <laughs> This is such a strong card. I'm I'm so hot for this, dude. It feels like an old five R card, from the like from the does. art to the name to the refusal condition, which was a key facet of basically all the old five R jewels. Um, it's it's wonderful. just it's, it's wonderful. a throwback. It's powerful. Um, it's what we need in the game is more targeted removal. One side effect of this that I guess is kind of unfortunate is that you know when you play this card you want it to go off and you want it to be impactful so you're encouraged to build a, a really big tower in, in a lot of ways to do it but it is a card that can kill other towers which we need more of we need more ways to discourage you know, players from building giant towers like if someone's got an enormous tower card first of all they're, they're running you know they're gonna have counters they're gonna have defend your honor and they're gonna have but they can only have fingers. so many right this is another weapon like if they refuse the jewel you can play noble sack or if they you know you've got other ways to I, yeah. Or if they refuse the duel, you play another duel yeah. to the death. Yeah. I, I feel, I, don't get me wrong, I love the design of this card. I love the, that you can refuse it and get dishonored. That's super cool. I just I feel like it's empowering Towers and Crane more, and neither of those things need it. Well, it's, I think it's empowering Crane Towers specifically. Because I think uh, it actually like, it discourages... like If you know that Crane's the best yeah, deck, it discourages it you towers. from towering up. How does it hurt towers? I don't well, you're you're like, much less because it discards giant characters with twenty attacks. No, sorry, I understand, but you've got to win that duel first, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah. towers are much more like like they are the guys that are bully dueling you. But if, if like most but of the a time, crane, a crane a tower can get as much or more skill than any other tower in the game. I suppose like you're only a bonsai away from being able to throw this down you, and challenge. You use this yeah. on defense, so you fir you first good. action bonsai, you cancel yeah. their bonsai, and then you just kill their guy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And you How have I... and you have stuff like Daisho and um Aijutsu Master to make it even easier to, to win the duel. How about and I do like How about in defense? I do like the simple. Part. How about in defense of Rockigan followed by a duel to the death? Oh yeah. Perfect. Do it. Perfect. You've just made a deck. I love it. <laughs> um so 
the quote as well is Toshimoko saying, so be it. I just love this. I love everything about this card. I think it's well designed. So congrats to Tyler on a big hit. I think this card's going to be very, very annoying to play against and super satisfying to have in the environment overall. All right. So we have Soft Skin, somebody who is, the picture appears to be someone with like a bucket putting some gross acid on no, his head i'm not exactly no, sure i think so first of all the art of this card is the most hideous in the game and it's fantastic that thing <laughs> on his head is not yeah. a bucket that thing on his head is i think a hat and, and his skin's melting off he has been poisoned and his skin has gone so soft that it's just melting off his face which is that is amazing. the best <laughs> so good like i would be so excited to drop this i mean it's another two cost poison which kind of sucks so, so this this card here guys <laughs> this is the sort of card that tyler in, like includes as red herrings or traps in every pack for people like um glenn and butters to froth over so i'm super glad <laughs> oh, mate, nah, i'm super glad you don't this, even this know made. <laughs> like, you don't even know no, so this card it, mate if you throw this on a tower that's sticking around for four turns in a game that's a third of your conflict deck has just been milled and is it is it only once a turn? Is this just every time? Every time. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Oh, that is so fucking good. So you chuck, chuck, <laughs> chuck that on like a crab character who's like fighting on Gaijin Customings, steadfast witcher hunting. And then, <laughs> and then after they try to ready, then your fucking earth becomes stone. So, so the, just so people actually know what this card is, it's a poison. So therefore, it can be fetched. It's a it's buffing Hamatsu, so it can be fetched by Hamatsu. Um, attached character cannot ready unless its controller discards the top three cards of his or her conflict. So I can imagine Glenn, aka Remedy, has a whole deck which we talked about on the last pod that was all around milling. So he must be just he must be in heaven. I, re- I really wish this costed card. one. I think if it costed yeah. one, it could actually be like a f- force. Right, it would be you know, vile. Well, it's just, it's just yeah. anti tower, right? If you, you if you if you're against the uni HMT, the guy doesn't care. It's like, I, I just weren't ready this It's guy. only one influence as well. Can I talk about for just a second how disgusting this is with Parent Tanaka? You chuck it on your opponent's stuff and you're just drilling stuff off the top of your oh. deck. And all the stuff that gets you, milled, come on. you don't get back because Tanaka's on the And you're like, room. come on, use your let go on this soft skin. Yep. I <laughs> 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 just no, not okay. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so last, last preview um, in this More jumbo crane. episode is... The Arbiter of Authority, two-cost character, zero mil, two political, two glory. Courtier, duelist, some good traits there. Action, during conflict, initiate a political duel. Dash, your opponent may dishonor his or her character to refuse a duel. Otherwise, resolve the duel. Bow and move the duel's loser home. It's a conflict character as well. So that's that's the key. I think if this were Dynasty, it would just be pretty Conflict's real interesting, right? Yeah. uh... That's... It's a good effect. Like he's quite—he's weak, but I'm, you got to drop him in, give him. How do you boost him? You have to play a fan on him or something, right? You, well, even that's not really gonna. Or just to honor him, just to honor him. But you know like, what? Actually, Crane have more and more ways of honoring characters. Yeah, right? yeah. No, it's like, well, if you did a fan and an honor, then he's a six, and that's going to do well. But I think when you think about it, this and the duel to the death are the kind of things. The effects are significant enough. That your opponent kind of has to consider bidding high if they're in any risk, because that's like a kanji, right? Like it's a bow and move home if you lose. Yeah, it's like a void down. fist. It's yeah. uh, the thing is, it's it's an assassinatable body. It's got low stats, so I think that that does balance the card well. I don't think it's mm. going to be good enough to uh to see a lot of play. Just 
think the big part of the reason is that with jewels like this, you really want to be towering the, the character um, so that you can win the jewels without having to risk any honor. Because if you have to pump... But you don't think, like, just a just a simple, like, honoring effect on this guy? Like, just have So then my, my reply would just be, well, why not just play the, the send home event that costs zero that you just have to have an honored court tier? And then you can tower up a bigger guy and play a better card. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Agree. <clears throat> uh, I think. I think the. I think the try again tomorrow is a fantastic yeah, card. Cool. I, I think having another. I think I'm looking at this card though, right, and thinking a few things. One, obviously, out of Crane, you can now run a lot of uh, conflict courtier characters, and you can get to the point where um, I know that people complain that Scorpion don't really need to have a dynasty phase. Well, and part of the reason is <laughs> HMT, but the real reason why they don't need to have a dynasty phase is because they've got heaps and they've got access to absolutely fantastic conflict characters right um so and they've got a lot of control so now like each of the clans is getting to the point where they have access to heaps and heaps of pretty good conflict characters and so this crane uh i feel like now crane are getting to that point also like for people looking to splash i think at some point um you know different clans like the idea of being able to splash a you know a courtier conflict character and steward of law is obviously your your key go-to character but having access to a bunch of courtiers from a particular splash could enable some pretty funky decks down the track yeah i think the key i think the keywords are a key part of the value of this i think he will see through um maybe not strictly for his ability it's just a nice kicker but the fact is a courtier and a duelist it's really well in the new train dueling archetype you're seeing out there um you can just trigger all the keywords he gets all the cool stuff he's got a built-in duel it may not work all the time, but I think you'll do okay. I think Crane have got a pretty stacked conflict character section of their deck, and they, they have since core, really, because Political Rival and Steward of Law were both so great for so long. So, I mean, I could certainly see him. I, I think I'd probably rather play Fumiki, but maybe in the really hardline dual version you play him. I don't know. Cool art, though. Yeah. Cool. All right, then. Well, um,. That is uh, the end of the previews there. Uh, this episode is is uh, much larger than our usual episode. Huge jumbo episode for the, the roller fans out there. Uh, before we head off, uh, we do have uh, a very exciting announcement on our next HCR podcast. One might say it might be the biggest announcement we've ever had on the podcast, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, um, has anybody got anything else they would like to add? Uh, anything? Any final... Thoughts, shout outs. If anybody out there in FFG land has any pull at all with FFG OP, please push for our Kote date in Australia and get us again. We desperately, desperately need some motion. I would say, um, oh, wait, go and look, go and read that masterpiece guide on strategy by Butters. The five phases of failure. I mean, it's just, it's just genius. And, uh, you know, brush up on your strategy, boys and girls, and get better at the game. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, And until next time, keep on rolling.